Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm dandy. You washed the cow spit off of your I hands. I did, yes. There's no I appreciate. My, my formerly cow spit covered fingers, which uh, smelled a lot like like medicine. Since What does the, cow spit smell like? Uh, usually like hay and human spit. Very similar, you know. <laughs> I guess I don't know what human spit smells. I don't go around smelling spit <laughs> you're mom, often. You're a mom. That's you're you're going to know what spit smells like I know a what lot. a lot of things smell Smit like now smells like, yeah. that I didn't know before. Right? So there's that. Let's talk about Acts chapter 4. <laughs> because we need to focus, we right? Need to fo- we, so that we can be we free have, from the, these lesser right. things that we're dealing with. Spit is definitely a lesser it thing. It is. Uh, at least it would appear to be in this podcast. So... <laughs> Home of professional podcasting. Home of professional <laughs> Thank podcasting. You. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Shout out to you. That's great stuff. So uh, while we are trying to get focused and free ourselves from this, that's really the core reality that we were looking at Sunday is that focus on the reality of Christ frees us from the pull of lesser things. And we were in Acts chapter 4 and really finishing up the story that started in Acts chapter 3. Um, we had stopped short of this particular part of the passage in the previous week. And previously, we had looked at uh, Peter and John in chapter 3. They were headed to the 3 o'clock prayer meeting at the temple, and they they encountered a a lame beggar. And rather than giving him money, they gave him freedom. They, They healed him in Jesus' name, and he went, as the song says, walking and leaping and praising God. And... uh and they run into some trouble with that. The crowds come around, they get excited, they get to preach the gospel, and as Peter presents that, some believe, some did not. And then um, the the leaders, the Sadducees, the high priest and the high priest's crowd and the temple guard uh, then arrest them, <clears throat> uh, they confront them, they arrest them, uh, they... Uh, put them in jail overnight, come back and talk to them, which is a great opportunity for Peter to more completely share the gospel and focus on the reality that the only salvation there is is in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to verse 23, and they are released. The the leaders don't know what to do with them. They warn them not to uh, do any more preaching or teaching in Jesus' name. They kind of chuckle at that. Okay. Yeah, so... uh, yeah, we're going to pretend that we didn't see this stuff and we're going to disobey God to make you happy. Not going to happen. They don't know what to do with them. They warn them, threaten them, turn them loose. And the first thing Peter and John do in verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so they, uh, they go back and, and share this with the people. And when the, the brethren there and the cistern as it would be cistern. Uh, they, when they heard this they raised their voices together in prayer to god uh, which is what the church should do naturally that should be our first inclination and it seems to be here their eyes as we've been seeing since the holy spirit entered them in chapter two their eyes are on christ it, nothing else really matters their their gaze is heavenward and the things of earth have now seemed to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Someone should make a song about that. Yes, and we'll probably do it in church sometime. Um, so now they come back together and, and they, they have this, this urge to talk to God about it. But they don't, plead, they don't plead, Lord, save us from this, deliver us from this hardship. Instead, what they say is, uh, still in verse 23 and then following, or I guess it's verse 24 and following, uh, Sovereign Lord, 
acknowledging his authority and his power and their submission to that. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your, of your servant, our father David. And then he quotes, or they quote, I, I assume that this is Peter speaking, Peter's words, and they're all joined in with it, but that may not be the case. It doesn't tell us. It says that all the believers are praying together as if there were one voice here. Mm-hmm. And in Psalm 2, David writes, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and his anointed one. They go on. In, in their own words, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So their prayer is not about you know, Lord, take this away, get us out of here, protect us. Their prayer is focused on, Lord, you see this, you know. Even of old, when David was saying this about his own enemies, the enemies of Israel at the time, the Holy Spirit through David was looking forward to what would happen with the Messiah. And just as it happened in David's time and happened only two months before this in Jerusalem, all of these who would oppose the gospel, who would oppose the mission of the church, uh, are actually doing God's will. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing what God had ordained beforehand must take place in order for the, the fulfillment of the prophecies and the glory of God uh, to be carried out. This is the means by which we would all be saved. And so they're acknowledging that. They're recognizing God's sovereign hand in this, that everything that happens to them has been filtered through his will, that even the bad things aren't ultimately bad things. Ultimately, they're working out his glory and, and our ultimate good, which is his glory. That's mm-hmm. the best thing for us is the glory of God. So as they're praying this, rather than praying, Lord, you know, this sovereign will of yours, can you please change it because we don't like it so much? They're praying, you see it, you hear it, consider what they're saying, what they're doing, and make us bold. And, and work through us. Let, let your word be attested by these miracles. Uh, the Amplified Bible, as it uh, kind of enhances the text to give us the, the nuances and connotation of the original language to the original hearers, it, it actually uses the term attesting miracles. And I think that's a, a perfect picture of what they're praying for, that we want to be bold with your word. We want to be able to bring to the people the, the message of God. We want to bring Christ's love to them so that we can bring them to Christ's love. And apart from the message, they can't be saved. There's no other way to be saved but Jesus. And they need to hear about him for them to be able to take hold of that. Paul will clarify that later on in his letters. And as they're working through this in their prayer, <laughs> the purpose of the miracles, they're not, they're not praying for them to look good. They're praying that this would be affirmed for the people who are hearing the message, that Jesus is exactly who he said. We can see it in the Old Testament. It's affirmed by these miraculous signs and wonders. So their prayer is for the mission, for the mission to continue, to continue boldly, and that they would not shrink back in the face of the adversity. So uh, after they prayed in verse 31, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, And just as they prayed, 
The Holy Spirit fills them and causes them to then speak the word of God boldly. And then we see a summary of what's going on in the church, this description that follows, uh, verses 32 to 35, with a little addendum at the end. Uh, all the believers were one in heart and mind. There was this, this accord that they have, that there's a, not only are they together, and not only do they prioritize one another, as we see with Peter and John going immediately back to them for the prayer, but there is a, there is a focus a singular focus. They're, they're no longer divided because they have their own uh, earthly agendas. Or, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that, and what about mm-hmm. my rights, and what about my privileges, and who's, you know, whose idea was it? I, you know, I said that first, you know, ask Peter, he knows, I said it first. Uh, there's none of that kind of junk. Nobody's arguing about silly things. In fact, they're so unified, it goes on in verse 32, to say that no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which was exactly what the Sadducees were warning them against. Don't you speak any more about this. We're not going to have this resurrection stuff. No, no, no. They continued to, to testify with great power to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. And again, the result of this we see in verse 34, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, this isn't a constant all-the-time thing, there's a, a periodic nature of it, as appropriate, uh, as opportunity afforded itself. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So because they were watching out for one another, their focus was on Christ, their commitment was to one another within the body of Christ, there is a joining. Today we see that in in church membership, but the idea here is we are committed to this family. It's like a vow, like a marriage. doesn't matter what's going on outside. We're here together. We stay, we stand. And then they give this little uh, quick mention of a guy named Joseph, most of us might know him better as Barnabas. Joseph, a Levite, that's the priestly family, the priestly tribe, uh, from Cyprus. So he's not from Jerusalem or that area. He's traveled here from Cyprus and becomes a part of the group. Uh, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. We'll see more of that in his personality later in the book of Acts. Uh, This guy sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. We'll see a sharp contrast to that next week in chapter 5. But uh, what we're seeing is a a unity because of the focus that they have. As they grow closer to Christ, they grow closer to one another. Mm. They're not only teaming up, but they're teaming up with a very specific Godward focus. The self part is stripped away. That doesn't matter so much. And again, as, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, focus on the reality of Christ frees us from the pull of lesser things. Because they're seeing him so clearly and they're so fixated on the reality of who he is and what he's done for us, the rest just seems pale and weak and hollow and you know, who, who cares? And consider what they're dealing with as opposed to, I'm not trying to downplay anybody's you know garbage that they're dealing with in their life, but it's not this. <laughs> they're no, not, right. Know, and, and at, I, at this time, if, if you get a fever, there's a really good chance you're going to die. Right. You know, or, or, or there's a constant worry about that. Right. It's, or an you know, infection or whatever. Anything prior to to the you know 16th, 17th century, we really can't comprehend the 
the physical fear of death that was constant among them. How difficult life was. Just the things that we take for granted. Absolutely. Anything. Going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but I, since this, you know. The, we do like indoor plumbing. I it's love a, indoor plumbing. It's going to be big. Name that movie. It's going to be uh, <laughs> My Disney movie knowledge is really coming out during this Coming podcast. out. Um, no, I, I, you know, since we're part of this podcast is, is taking the word and kind of uh, adjusting it to, to how we might see things today. I, this core reality, you know, really struck me because gosh i focus on so much junk mm. and and don't we all woe is me and uh my life is hard and why am i dealing with this and why am i dealing with that yeah. or why did this person say this or why did, you know it's so when you read something like that and you read something like this passage in acts it's it's uh kind of makes you feel a little small <laughs> well and you know as you as you think it through my goodness isn't that where our anxiety comes from? Well, yeah, because 100%. We're, we're seeing all this stuff, all the potentials. All and it's the... almost, it feels like it's all you can see. Right. Because our scope is so it, limited. It really, really right. is. You know, if you're if you're driving in a blizzard, right. you can't see the, the reality that's out there. All you see is the snow. Right. All, you know, if you're in a fog, all you see is the fog. Right. And it's the same kind of a thing. You've got all this, and, and when you look at it, you could probably put all that fog into a single glass of water. You know, right. it, it's it's just all these droplets and molecules that are that are catching light, and all they are is just they're they're, they're making visual noise. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing that happens with our thoughts. We've got all these thoughts that are are creating noise in our minds. Uh, I often refer to it as like a room full of unruly toddlers. When you've got a room full of unruly toddlers, somebody's got to get them in order. We got to got to line this stuff up. And, and that's where we see focus come in. What, if we're focused on Christ rather than on the crises around us, then the crises begin to fall into place to where they really actually belong. We start to see, wait a minute, this is really small potatoes. Because up to this point, we have the clearest vi- uh, vision possible of who Christ is right. and how we can depend on him and how we can trust his promises. Right. And when you think about that, yeah, it kind of clears everything else away. So That's not can, easy to do always. You can see why Acts has to follow, all right. the stuff that right. we have here right. has right. to right. follow on the gospel. Right. So Luke's first book is establishing this orderly account right. of the things that have been passed on from the apostles. Right. Who is Jesus? How do we know that he's Jesus? So because of this, this. Right. <laughs> and, and that's a pattern that we see actually throughout right. scriptures. Paul's writings do that regularly. In the book of Romans, he, he builds this case. Here's the logical progression of thought that leads to salvation, that mm-hmm. leads to, because of this, and Romans is, is one of my favorite books because of its comprehensive nature. But in one sixteen, he says, I'm not, not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God, right? This is the power of God specifically for salvation. Mm-hmm. And then he lays out how bad the condition is. Apart from God, his wrath is being poured out on us. We're suppressing truth by our wickedness. Everybody has sinned. You know, there's, there is no righteousness in the law. That, that's not going to work. It's never worked. The, uh, the only righteousness that God has ever looked for is by faith. The law was an instructor to get us there. But, but all of this comes by faith. Abraham is justified by faith. But for us, we were dead in our sin. Now we need to reckon ourselves. We need to recognize that we died with Christ. So we're we're now dead to our sins. But you know, he says of himself, even in chapter seven, 
my goodness, I'm still struggling with this. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm dead to sin. I know that I am in Christ and his spirit lives in me and my will joyfully conforms to God's will. And yet here I am constantly doing the things I don't want to do, not doing the things I do want to do. What is up? Why am I such a wretched person? Praise be to God that he has saved me through Jesus Christ. And then goes into chapter 8, which John Piper and many others would say, this is the greatest chapter of the Bible. I don't know that I can raise one above another, but if there were one, my goodness, this would be a good call. It starts out with, therefore, in light of everything we've just seen, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So then he continues to build and build and gets to chapter 12 where he says, you know, it, we see the comfort that, that we receive in the fact that God, our, our salvation is from God. It's not from us. We can't work our way up to this. Everything's leading to that point. And we see that God then takes hold of us and snatches us out, out of our own condemnation. That we That's our default mode. That's who we are. It's what we deserve. It's what's right for us. And he saves us. And he's going to do the same thing with Israel, just as he always has. His promises to Israel are not finished yet. He's not done. One day, all all Israel, what, what many theologians would call true Israel, the Abraham Israel, would, will be saved. Therefore, in light of God's mercy, he says in chapter 12, man, lay your life down on the altar. Make your very bodies living sacrifices to God. That doesn't mean go out and kill yourself. Living sacrifices so that every every part of what you're doing belongs to him. That's an exact picture of what we're seeing in Acts chapter 5. So then after building all the way up to that in, in 12, he goes on to say, this then is how you should behave. Love must be sincere. Do these things. Don't do these things. Because they don't fit. But he doesn't start with that. He doesn't give you, here's this list of rules and stuff. And we don't start in the book of Acts. We don't start with, look at all these powerful miracles. Don't look at all this stuff of what they're doing as if church has power or Mm -hmm. as if you and I have power. That's exactly the opposite of what Peter says in chapter 3. Do you really think that this has something to do with us? This is about Jesus. This is completely, entirely about salvation in the name of Jesus. It's Jesus alone that that gave this man the strength to walk. It's Jesus alone who can save you from sin. And then as we build out from there, we see the church growing. But it happens because they have said, you know, I all I can see now is the mercy of God. All I can see now is the preciousness of Christ, that he is so much more beautiful than I ever imagined. And I am so much more wicked than I ever realized. And his grace to me is so much more amazing and abundant than I could have ever dreamed. How can I ever get caught up in all this small stuff down here? Uh, I was just listening to uh, a song on the radio, and right offhand, I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, it's Almost Home. We're, 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 we're almost home. We're getting closer to getting home. And, and so often we as Christ followers... We get caught up. We're ambassadors in this world. This isn't our citizenship. But we act as if this is where we'd rather be. Hmm. Rather than we're on a journey here, going someplace. And we're almost home. We're almost where our goal is. This is where we want to be, is with Jesus. And when we begin to see things from that eternal perspective, we take that long view, which is what we're seeing in the book of Acts, then all the stuff that happens here, it's just part of that journey. It's a step closer to getting home, which is the goal. That's not always easy because the reality is this is all we know. I mean, we were born here. This is the earth that I've been on. This is the plane yeah. that I've been on. And more to the point, this is what we focus on because it's right. what we know. Because, right. So it surrounds us. It's what our senses know. Right. What our spirit knows in Christ is that every word of God 
is faithful well, and true. Well, that's the pull. And, and that's and, and so when we focus on that, right. the pull of the lesser things is reduced. Right. It's still there. It's right. gonna Satan's gonna still keep making things shiny. So we hear hear the spirit the whole, whisper he's to us. He's making like negative things shiny. <laughs> well, absolutely. So all the stuff and, and whether Harmful it's things. whether it's negative or it's positive in this life, well, when I'm it sure, becomes yeah. when it becomes our our be all end all, when that's our important thing, when my job becomes more important than going to church and gathering with, with other believers, when that becomes more important, the, the, the needs, the provision, the passions, the pursuits of this life become more important than the agenda of God that we see clearly spelled out in Scripture, then, then the pull of this life, all these lesser things, is going to be just this heavy planetary gravity on our lives. But if we get above that, as you know, as uh, Paul says in Colossians, set your, set your mind on heavenly things, on eternal things, above, not here on earth. This isn't where we are. We are, he says in Ephesians, we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's our home. We, we want to set our, our minds on things above where Christ is, and our glory comes in him. When he returns, that's when everything is fulfilled. When we get to Jesus, that's the goal. And, you know, it's, if, you're, if you're here on earth, which most of us are, I, I am, you are, I can't speak for everybody, but most of us are Those here. aliens on, on Sesame Street. But, you know, there is this gravitational pull, right? If I, if I jump, you know, I'm going to come down, now. right? And I can, I can deny it. I can, you know, try to ignore it, but I'm, I'm going to get pulled by this. But the farther I get away from Earth, if I get up above the atmosphere and I get outside of that gravitational pull, the higher I get, when I get above that, that gravitational pull, the less that pulls on me. The same is true for us spiritually. The higher we get, when, when our focus is heavenward, when our focus is on the reality of Christ, that frees us up from the gravity of all these lesser things. So it makes sense that the more junk you focus on here, the heavier you feel. Without the question. more weighed down yeah. you feel. You well, know? right. So as, as much as the gravity pulls on me when I'm, you know, I try to jump now, I, it pulls on me much more at 50 years old. and After you've eaten an apple how, fritter. And, and, <laughs> that's right. And however many pounds. I'm quite a bit larger now than I was at 25. And so oh, when barely. I was 25, you know, I could play basketball and, you know, it, it's fine. Well, I was never good at basketball, but, but, but I didn't thud. It was fine. I didn't thud, thud as hard when I would come down. <laughs> now when I do it, the ground shakes, you know, and small children are frightened. It's, you know, it's not a good thing. How much more so if I try to fill my pockets with, you right. know, with gold and all these different things. Right, right, right. That just weighs me down that much more. So the lighter I can be, uh, our friend Aaron loves to talk about minimalist living, you know, that we want to strip, Hi, strip all this stuff down. And there is a very valid truth to that. The less stuff I have, the less stuff has me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's a freedom in... We don't get this in our world, but there is a certain freedom in poverty. I'm not recommending poverty, but I am recommending not letting stuff have us. Mm-hmm. When when we're at a place, when you see these pictures of you know little you know uh, children in developing countries that are you know they're out playing soccer, they don't have anything. They don't even you know they may not have even eaten today. Maybe they're gonna not eat until tomorrow, and. And that's a hard life, much harder than we can even relate to. And yet you see more joy on their faces than half of the stockbrokers in New York. Why? Because the stuff's not dragging them down. They're, they're not dealing with that. Because stuff often creates stress. 
Absolutely. The more stuff you have, the more stressed out you are. And the more you, yeah, the more you can miss it if right. it's if it's taken from you. So if you if I don't have a and car, and there's that constant risk that it could be taken from me at any moment. If I if I'm driving a you know a Mercedes Benz and I pull up to the church and I've I've got my nice Mercedes there and everything's you know fancy and clean and new, I'm not going to leave the key in the ignition and walk right. away. I'm not going to do that. Right. That would be dumb. Right. I, if I'm driving my car, for example, I have the best theft deterrent system in the world. Nobody else wants it. So it's a great theft deterrent system. Especially with no rear view mirror. So, so I can leave the key in it. Right. It's not going anywhere. Nobody right. cares. Right. I'm not leaving the key in it just in case my wife is listening and gets mad at me. I'm not leaving the key in it. It's for the sake of the illustration. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, that's there. The, the focus on the reality is the big part for us. Right. And so when we, as Christ followers, want to experience the freedom that Christ has already purchased for us, and that's a really important thing. We're not earning, we're not building toward, we're not seeking freedom. If we are in Christ, we're already free. All the work was done at the cross. All of the burdens of this life have been removed from us. But we need to stop looking at them as where we belong. It's not where we belong. When our focus becomes Christward, then all the rest becomes dimmer. It becomes less. I think the word focus is, is very important because a lot of these things that, uh, I guess, pin us to the earth are uh, a little sneaky. And we might not realize that we're putting our attention and our focus on yes. them. And it's easy to get caught up. Uh, I don't think... Many people are, I won't say many people, I don't think some people are actively trying to focus on this above Christ. No, but I, I, I think, think you're there right. are things that easily we become, don't notice it, they be easily become distractions without right. us being aware of it. And a lot of times, it's good things that keep us from right. best things, right? So, a job is a good thing, right. right? Having employment is actually commanded by scripture that we should be actually working for a living. We should go out and, and earn and provide. That's part of it. And uh, Paul says in, in uh, one of his Thessalonians letters, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. Even if you have to write about cat bandanas. Even if you have to write about <laughs> cat bandanas. You, you go out and you do good work. And that was before the fall, there was work. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were given to till the soil. They were given to t- care for the earth. The ecology of earth has been our responsibility since earth was created. So work is a good theological reality. But when work becomes an idol, when that becomes more important than the things of heaven, than the mission that we have on earth, then that idol becomes an opponent to God. It divides us from him. And anything that's an obstacle, anything that's a, 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 a... somehow lifting itself up over God in our lives, God will oppose and God will destroy one way or another. So for us to be able to, to experience the freedom, the peace, the joy that God wants to give us in his Holy Spirit, we have to stop living like slaves when we're not. And, you know, we use the illustration a lot. You know, I've talked about this numerous times. Uh, and I stole it probably from Neil Anderson and probably six other people. But the reality of human slavery in the United States is that as of the Emancipation Proclamation, all slavery was abolished. Didn't exist. You are no longer slaves. The problem was 
you've lived as a slave your whole life. So even once you get word, first you have to hear about it. You have to get word of it that you are free. You have to take hold of that freedom. But then once you have gone out from there, you no longer live on the plantation. You're, you're out on your own. Well, now what? There's a, right. You, you don't know how to live that life. You've never been in that life before. Right. So everything in your mind, everything in your emotions still operates like a slave. And at some point, that, that switch has to flip. It doesn't happen all at once right. for most right. of us. Generally speaking, and I, I, would, I would want to say always, but I'm very leery, as you know, of always and never. Yes, I know. Um, I, I, there's a, generally, there's a gradual shift as we learn little by little to focus on the reality rather than on the shiny unreality. When we have these, you know, these things that seem so real and seem so important that are, are loud and shiny and in our face and the reality of God whispers gently, we have to listen hard. We have to focus in. And if we don't focus on Christ, then all the unfocused things of this world will overwhelm us. I think we'll stop there for today. Uh, if anybody has any questions, comments, or wants to just, you know, join the discussion, uh, feel free to send us a message, leave us a comment. We are on officially on three different uh, streaming devices now. That's we're on something else. Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. So we're going to be streaming usually Tuesdays. 10, 10, 30-ish, whenever we can decide, uh, whenever technology decides to work with us. So, uh, and whenever my cattle allow that to happen. Your cat? The cattle. Oh, your cattle. Yes. Not your cat. No. Cats never allow anything to happen. No. So, <laughs> thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time.